Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Glad to have you with us once again for Texas Ag Today. Coming up on today's show, we have gotten a lot of rain recently, and that has caused a big decrease in drought conditions across the state. But we do still have a fairly nice-sized chunk of Texas that's dealing with dry weather and some form of drought. We'll take a look at the latest drought numbers coming up. Plus, wheat harvest is wrapping up here in Texas. Of course, South and Central Texas has gotten a lot of that wheat out of the field. Still working on it in West Texas in the Panhandle, but the latest statistics say we're about three quarters done. We'll take a closer look in just a minute. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture, from the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. A leadership change for Plains cotton growers as Steve Verrett retires. I'm James Hunt, and I'll bring you more on that story on Texas Ag Today. The progress of West Texas cotton depends on when the crop was planted. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Exports are adding to the bottom line of Texas farmers and ranchers, and in a big way. I'm Gary Joyner, and I'll have those details on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Rains across Texas over the last two months have erased what was once a very serious drought situation in much of the state. Jessica Nomal takes a look at the current drought situation. Recent rains have helped to ease drought conditions across much of the state, but dryness remains in parts of West Texas. According to the Texas Water Development Board, 13% of the state is experiencing moderate or worse drought. That is up slightly from the week before. It's actually down 55 percentage points from three months ago. Exceptional drought remains in Presidio and Jeff Davis counties in far west Texas. The Water Development Board says despite the rainfall that most areas have received over the past several weeks, precipitation in June is shaping up to be less than average for much of Texas. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The Texas wheat harvest continues to wind down with the latest crop progress and condition reports showing that 75% of the wheat crop now harvested here in the Lone Star State. Darby Campsey with Texas Wheat Producers says this is putting the wraps on what has been a very difficult year. We faced a lot of issues this year that we didn't have last year. Uh, we had starting, we started out uh, coming out of winter dormancy with a huge winter event. 
and then we follow that up by with another freeze event and then another freeze event. We've also added drought on top of that and now excessive moisture. I don't think anybody who made plans for this year's crop could have anticipated that we would have such a challenging spring. Darby Camsey with Texas Wheat Producers. A leadership change is underway for Plains cotton growers as Steve Verrett retires. James Hunt has more from Amarillo. After 24 years with Plains Cotton Growers, Steve Verrett is headed into retirement, with Wednesday of this week having been his last official day as CEO. Verrett told me a big highlight of his tenure was putting together a good team. When I say a team, I'm not talking about just the staff. I'm talking about the volunteer leadership, keeping good volunteer leaders involved, because that's the success, really, of any advocacy organization. And a major challenge for that team Verrett refers to came a few years ago when Congress dealt the cotton industry a huge blow. Motivated by an international trade dispute with Brazil, U.S. lawmakers left cotton out of Title I of the 2014 Farm Bill, essentially excluding cotton from support programs available to other commodities like corn and wheat until Plains Cotton Growers and its allies succeeded in getting cotton restored in 2018. Getting cotton back in Title I has to be one of the greatest accomplishments, and the reason is because of the cooperative work that a lot of folks did to make that happen. Certainly there were legislators involved, Mike Conaway on the House side, John Bozeman and John Cornyn on the Senate side, but all of the organizations and the cotton industry being totally united in trying to help make that happen. That was certainly a high point that, you know, I can look back on. Although he can now devote more time to his farm in Crosby County, Verrett will continue serving Plains Cotton Growers in an advisory role through the end of the year. The new CEO for Plains Cotton Growers is Cody Besant, moving up to the top job after serving as the organization's Vice President of Operations and Legislative Affairs. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The progress of the West Texas cotton crop depends on when the crop was planted. Tom Nicoletti reports. Eddie Griffiths is in the South Plains of Texas driving the region and looking at the countryside. And right now, Eddie, uh, with the uh, recent wet weather, uh, how are the crops doing and uh, specifically the cotton crop? What's on the cotton crop in West Texas? The older, early planted crop seems to be bearing well with all the wet weather. The younger crop that, you know, we had the extreme drought and it was later coming up, later planted. It seems to be, you know, it's going to need some hot, dry days to try to come out of some of the uh, the moisture that we received and alleviate any type of seedling disease and things like that. But we will definitely take the moisture over drought-type conditions. That very quick report from Eddie Griffiths out in West Texas. Thank you, Eddie. Thank you, Tom. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Exports are adding money to Texas farmers and ranchers' bottom lines. Gary Joyner tells how from Waco. Exports are a critical source of income for a wide range of agricultural products. Over 20% of U.S. agricultural production is exported. Many of the products that benefit the most from exports are grown heavily in Texas. At the top of the list is cotton. 78% of U.S. cotton production is exported, and cotton is the most valuable of all row crops grown in our state. 
Grain sorghum is another big crop in Texas, and 60% of U.S. sorghum production is exported. 51% of U.S. rice and 50% of U.S. wheat production is sold abroad. 20% of U.S. corn and 11% of U.S. beef is exported. Beef cattle is the top economic sector in Texas agriculture. There is good news ahead. A record $157 billion in ag exports is expected in fiscal year 2021. Record exports to China are fueling the sales. Texas farmers and ranchers are thankful for the demand. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. Consumers can expect to spend around the same amount as last year for an Independence Day cookout this weekend. Michael Clements has the story from Washington. U.S. consumers will pay just a few cents less for their favorite Independence Day cookout foods compared to last year. Farm Bureau Acting Chief Economist Veronica Nye says the average cost of a summer cookout for 10 people remains affordable at $59.50. Which is down about 16 cents from last year. And compared to 2019, the overall cost of the basket is 8% higher. The survey reveals a difference in retail food prices depending on the region of the country with a $5.50 spread from highest to lowest. The highest cost is in the West at about $62, followed by the Northeast and the South, with the Midwest at about $57. Nye says strawberries had the largest price increase in the survey. Two pints of strawberries cost $5.30, which was up 22% from last year. That's attributed to the popularity of ready-to-eat fruits and severe weather during the harvest this spring. Beef and pork prices are lower compared to last year because packing plant disruptions early in the pandemic have been resolved. However, prices are still considerably higher than pre-pandemic prices in 2019 due to strong demand in the U.S. and internationally. Nye adds farmers receive more dollars from food when meals are consumed at home compared to those purchased from a restaurant. The farmer's share of the total spent on food is only about 8%. However, when we break that down for food consumed at home versus food consumed away from home, 13.4% of the food consumed at home can be attributed to the farmers, as opposed to only 2.2% for food consumed away from home. So while we're spending a little bit more in the grocery store, a larger share of that is going to the folks actually growing the food for our picnic basket. Find the complete survey at fb.org. From Washington, I'm Michael Clements for Texas Ag Today. A widespread chronic wasting disease outbreak could cost the Texas economy millions. I'm Jessica Domel and I'll have more on that and how it could affect landowners coming up on Texas Ag Today. And we all know that Brahmin cattle have a higher heat tolerance, but just how much Brahmin blood do you need in your cattle to take advantage of that heat tolerant trait? Dr. Bob Judd takes a look coming up next right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. 
I know that some folks call them Bramers. Some folks call them Bremers. But I guess the technical term is Brahmins. And of course, we all know that Brahmin cattle have a higher heat tolerance. But just how much Brahmin blood do you need in your cattle to take advantage of that heat tolerant trait? Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a look. The Texas A&M Beef Cattle Newsletter mentions a study out of the University of Florida concerning Brahmin cattle and heat tolerance. It is well known that Brahmin cattle are less affected by high temperatures, and that is the reason this breed is so common in Texas. Many producers add in Brahmin genetics to their herds for this very reason. However, the folks from the University of Florida indicate that Brahmin genetics also have some undesirable characteristics with lower carcass quality and decreased age at puberty. Because of this, the researchers wanted to determine the minimum levels of Brahmin genetics that would be required to improve heat tolerance and yet maintain other good characteristics of their primary breed of interest. The study involved cattle with various percentages of Brahmin genetics from 0% Brahmin as a control all the way up to 100% Brahmin at one-eighth increments. Air temperature was 86 degrees Fahrenheit, and their body temperatures were assessed. Time spent by the cattle under trees was also observed, and the results indicated that to regulate body temperature and decrease heat stress, the cattle had to be at least 50% Brahmin to have an effect. And if the heat stress was severe, cattle needed to be 75% Brahmin to have decreased heat stress. Cattle that were less than 50 to 75% Brahmin also remained under the trees for a longer period of time, which tells us they were not out grazing and eating. This study indicates that if you want to decrease heat stress in your cattle herd, the cattle will need to be at least 50% Brahmin to achieve that effect. I'm Dr. Bob Judd, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A widespread chronic wasting disease outbreak could cost the Texas economy millions. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. The past few days, we've told you about a grassroots coalition's concerns with the spread of chronic wasting disease in Texas. In a letter sent to the chair of the Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission, the group expressed concern that practices associated with deer breeding are creating undue biosecurity risks for the state's wild deer population. Theo Clayberg, a member of that coalition, says landowners, wildlife biologists, veterinarians, hunters, and others are concerned about the spread of the fatal neurological disease for a number of reasons. Well, it would be devastating to a ranch owner that has wild deer on their property and would have to go and euthanize all of the deer on their property if this disease gets out of control. And so many of the the ranches derive income from hunting and recreation that uh, it would just be devastating to the state. The economic effect would be uh, tremendous. An emergency rule implemented by the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department June 22nd restricts the movement of CWD-susceptible animals from breeding facilities linked to facilities where CWD has been found. It also requires deer breeders to test 100% of their mortalities for the disease. The deer breeders who are allowed to move their deer must live test the animals before they are moved under the rule. Clayberg says the testing and restrictions are needed because a deer can spread it to other susceptible animals in a pen or in the wild for years before they start showing symptoms. This year, 14 deer in Texas have tested positive for CWD. Four of those were in the wild. The other 10 have been bred. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. 
While the markets are calming down after Wednesday's big acreage report and heading into the July 4th holiday. We'll take a look at how all the markets wrapped up on Thursday coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Did you know that one out of every three mouthfuls of food we eat is produced by insect pollination, most of which is done by bees? In fact, bees are vitally important to food production. That's why modern agriculture is working with beekeepers to promote bee health. Ensuring a sustainable food supply requires each of us to play our part in preserving the land and protecting pollinators. This public service announcement is brought to you by Syngenta. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. While the market settled down a bit after Wednesday's big acreage report that caused that limit-up move in the corn market, we saw the cattle market recover some of the losses, with live and feeder cattle both ending up higher on Thursday. August live cattle up 85 cents, 123.57. The October up a dollar 10, 129.25. December live cattle up a dollar 10 at 133.20. Feeder cattle recovering some of the big losses we saw on Wednesday. August feeders up a dollar seventy one fifty six thirty two. September feeders up a dollar sixty five one fifty nine oh seven. October up a dollar fifty five one sixty one oh seven. Cash fed cattle market fairly quiet on Thursday. Looks like most of our business is done for the week. Texas cattle feeders reporting 3,997 heads sold for the week on the cash market. Those cash cattle brought 120 to 122, most of them in that higher 122 price. Boxed beef prices lower on Thursday. Choice down 298 at 288.31. Select down 88 cents, 268.39. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear Auctioneer Troy sound off, it's time to talk to Gary Butler from Nixon Livestock. They sell them every Monday. Gary Butler, how did the last sale before the holiday go? Uh, have turned out had a pretty good sale there. Uh, Looks like old calf market is short strong, and the cow market is identically what it was last week. We got 82 for the best cow, or a couple of cows in the 80s and 82s. Uh, calf market, no, look like this, three to four dollars higher than they were last week. Look like. Uh, two and three weight steers, a dollar thirty-eight to a dollar eighty-five. Heifers, a dollar thirty-six to a dollar eighty-five. Three and four weight steers, a dollar forty-six to a dollar ninety-three. Heifers, a dollar thirty-four to a dollar fifty-five. Four and five weight steers, a dollar thirty-nine to a dollar ninety. Heifers, a dollar twenty-nine to a dollar fifty-two. Five and six weight steers, a dollar twenty-nine to a dollar seventy. And the heifers, a dollar twenty-three to a dollar seventy. And six and seven weight steers, dollar twenty-five to a dollar fifty-one. Heifers, a dollar eight to a dollar thirty-five. Seven and eight weight steers, and bull yearlings, dollar sixteen to a dollar. 35 and the heifers were 99 to $1.19. Like I said, we got 82 for the best cow Monday, and we had oh, a couple of cow, a lot of cows bring in the 70s. Uh, slaughter bulls, uh, 72 to 99. Stocker cows, we had a few, not very many to speak of, 550 to 1,000. Pairs the same way, 810 to 1,600, and that was a bremer cow with a light bremer calf. Good. Now, calf. All right, so no sale this Monday. No, sir. We will not have a sale this Monday, uh, probably, and I know we won't have one in Peterborough on Friday. Wish everybody uh, safe and, and a happy uh, Fourth of July, and uh, see you next week again. All right. Gary Butler, tell everybody how to get a hold of you. 
you can catch us here at Cell Barn, 830-582-1561 or 62. Catch me on the mobile area, 830-857-4330. Neighbor, looks like we've exhausted all the time they're going to give us for Walking the Pins, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. Thanks for listening. Good day. Thank you, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs close lower Thursday, July down 17 cents, 107.30. August down 295 at $100.30. Class 3 milk finishing lower. July milk down 12 cents, 16.79 a hundredweight. August milk down 31 at 16.82. The cotton market regained some of the big losses that we saw on Wednesday. We were a bit baffled on Wednesday when the acreage number came in less than the pre-report guess, but the cotton market reacted by moving sharply lower. It just appears that traders felt like USDA's acreage reduction was too light, not quite enough. Also, the factor out there that we're looking at here in Texas, weather conditions right now in the cotton crop almost perfect. So that is keeping a lid on cotton prices as well. We did end up recovering some of Wednesday's big losses with October up 98 points, 86.49. December cotton up 100 points to finish at 85.90 cents. Now we mentioned the limit up move in corn that we had on Wednesday. We held on to those gains with July corn down only a quarter penny, 719 and three quarters. September corn up two and a half to finish at 601 and three quarters. But the wheat market was a different story. It could not hold on to Wednesday's gains. We saw some big double digit losses on Thursday. Seems like most of those Wednesday gains were just wheat kind of riding on the coattails of corn. No real fundamental news to support those higher prices. So we ended up with July Kansas City wheat dropping 18 and three quarters, 631 and a half. July Chicago wheat down 13 cents to close at 6.58 and a half. Rough rice slightly lower. September rice down a penny, 13.46 a hundredweight. Soybeans closing lower. November beans down three and a half, 13.95 and a half. July soybean meal up 6.30 to close at 381.80 a ton. In the energy markets, August natural gas up a penny, 366. August crude oil up a dollar 46, 74.93 a barrel. In the financial markets, we were slightly higher. The Dow up 131 points, 34,633. The Nasdaq up 18 at 14,522. The S&P 500 up 22 points, 4,319. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin. See you next time right here on Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.